The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm so debt. worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Good evening and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. This is your host for the evening, Craig Konstantinovich. And with me, I have Anthony Payne, or Tony, more commonly referred to as, and John Sestina. How are we doing tonight, gentlemen? I am wonderful. Doing great. All right, good. It's going to be warm tomorrow, isn't it? Something like that. I mean, it's certainly not going to be, you know, rainy days or anything like that. But yeah, Summer's almost here. Well, April showers bring May flowers. So welcome, April. Hopefully we all got our April Fool's jokes, you know, put aside at this point. We're mm-hmm. on to greener pastures, so to speak. I, I would never pull an April Fool joke, Craig. I don't know how you could even think that. I don't know what you're talking about, John. <laughs> I, I thought for sure that you were the... Uh, the office, you know, jester at that oh, point I see. Okay. had to be the one pulling the April Fool's jokes. <laughs> uh, uh, but, well, guys, we've got a jam-packed show here today and, and primarily centered around the idea of the big month that April is. It is Financial Literacy Month. So we are going to be talking about what does that mean? How exactly <laughs> does financial literacy play into uh, anyone's financial plan? Whether you work with a financial planner or not, like we've always said, Everyone needs a financial plan. Not everyone always needs a financial planner. But you're listening to the podcast here, so you must know that, hey, there may be a few things I don't know, so might as well listen to some of the experts that are out there. Um, so, Tony, what, what ways have you kind of gone about, or how do you start to explain financial literacy to people? Well, I mean, we think about what's the purpose of education, right? Learn mm-hmm. stuff that you can utilize later, be fulfilled, have a good life, hopefully. Well, we know reading, writing, arithmetic, these are the basics that are covered. And that's what's focused on almost from the time of kindergarten all the way through college. And nowhere in those three R's, or I think R's, is there financial literacy? Mm-hmm. Is there how to balance a checkbook, when to sign up for a credit card, how compound interest works versus simple? You know, there's a lot of details out there that you're going to be presented with, especially early on, where you should perhaps have a little bit more background in someone unbiased teaching you and that's what we found this was lacking so this is why we have this financial literacy month absolutely john has there been any kind of a roadmap as to how we got here or any way that this got all got started well there was uh, i mean we got on our um, wagons back then and put the horses <laughs> forward and avoided all the terrors along the way and... i don't think it was that far back <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's very interesting because uh, there, there's a young man whose name I've forgotten right now who actually started something called NEFI, which was an organization to uh, put, put forth this financial legacy. And it, it, it's very, very good stuff he's put out. And hopefully it helps. And he's doing it primarily in high schools, which I'm so grateful for because we mm-hmm. do need this in the curriculum of the high schools. Absolutely. And that, that we've got shows uh, left and right in our podcast library. So by all means, anywhere where, if you're not listening to this live, wherever you listen to podcasts, by all means, we've got a whole slew of shows about how to get things started, where 
you know, beginners should start for financial planning. But you're exactly right, John. One of the areas that's lacking, and here in Ohio at least, um, a lot of times people allow it to kind of fly under the radar, but there is a component of financial planning that's actually required, strangely enough, in the social studies aspect of our education system. It's not something that's necessarily always reviewed or focused on here, but we are starting to see more um, legislation, more opportunity put together to have this be a requirement for graduation, which is just going to make the whole world better at this point and, and definitely more financially literate. Right. I mean, you said the key word there, too, literate. I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, we think about in the sense of reading and writing. I mean, it's so key. It's so fundamental to being able to participate in society and stand up for yourself and really protect yourself. All those same things apply with financial literacy. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of protection. It's a different kind of awareness. But if you're illiterate financially, there can be a lot of decisions that you might think are great, that you're making the right decision on, that you just don't know better because you're not sure how to read the leaves there. And that's what we're trying to promote through this because it's a lot of different areas, earning, spending, saving, taxes. I mean, there's a lot to understand. Well, there is. And, and- – Knowledge is power. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to give people. It's a little bit of knowledge because that'll help you hopefully from being scammed, of which there are many scams these oh. days. Holy cow. Every now and then in your email, you get some crazy stuff. And it's very, very, uh, 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 in, what, what shall I say? Enticing? Yeah, enticing. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Deceptive. It's like okay. you know, your bank account has been uh, attacked by somebody and so... Click on here, and yep. boy, oh boy, you can't do that kind of stuff. So you need to know some of this stuff, folks. Absolutely. Yeah, and Tony, you touched on it here. Definitely financial literacy starts with really the five primary pillars, which are earning, spending, saving, borrowing, and protecting. Not necessarily in that order or anything like that, but those are really the five key areas. So really what it comes down to is, understanding how each one of those pillars balances out the others. So just like we talk about with everything else, it's gaining that understanding that obviously your earning is going to impact what you can spend. You know, the whole goal here to truly be financially literate is to understand, Tony, probably your favorite thing, your cash flow, what comes in versus what goes out and when the money that goes out where it goes. Right. I mean, it's so key when we think about why are you doing this retirement stuff? Why are you saving really the future? But the future is vague. What does that mean? It's someday you're going to lose your ability to produce income. And when we think about that, it's really important that you understand that and you plan for that day that you're not going to get a paycheck anymore. And that's part of being literate here and thinking ahead because there's just so much going on. And like we said, enticements. And that's not always a positive thing. Sometimes they're negative enticements. They want to uh, basically use fear to get you to do something. Exactly. And if you don't know better, it's easy to fall for some of that stuff. Right. The, the, the major secret is to realize that whatever you earn, I don't care if it's $1 or $2 billion, whatever you earn is all there is. Yep. There isn't any more. There isn't any less. And people don't grasp that. And so... They don't really know how much they earn. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll talk to when you ask them what's your income, they'll give you numbers that are not relevant. Right. I, I always remember talking to a small business person, and I said, what, "What's your earnings?" And let's pretend he said half a million dollars. I said, "Wow, that's terrific." And then I said, "Well, what about taxes?" 
Well, I hadn't taken that into account, you know, but the, and then after taxes, what about the expenses of your business? Mm -hmm. So by the time we were done, it was down to $100,000. <laughs> so if this person is living at the half a million dollar level, they're really causing themselves harm. Absolutely. And, and that's something we see all the time. I mean, whether it's just simply looking at a pay stub for someone, whether it's looking at tax returns, whether it's looking at their actual cash flow. I mean, in all honesty, most of the time, people can't tell you what they spend on average in a month. They can tell you what the fixed expenses are. Hey, my mortgage is this. My internet is that. But they have a hard time truly sitting down and saying, well, I know last month that I spent $8,700 just on lifestyle expenses and being around. It's not an easy thing to do. So that's what part of this month is as well, is to truly help people educate themselves. Take a challenge. Take an opportunity to revisit some of your planning items. Make sure that you have a good grasp on where things are and make sure that you can track them and monitor them moving forward. Right, because there's only about 20% of Americans that have had some kind of formal financial literacy. Right. So when we come back, that's part of what we're going to dive into further. Absolutely. Well, as you had mentioned here, Tony, right now we're coming up on a break. Uh, again, we're going to be talking about financial literacy to celebrate the financial literacy month of April. Um, so we're going to be coming back, focusing on that, talking about topics, how to be financially literate and how to be financially smart, smart to get your 2022 started on the right foot here. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy here. I'm your host, Craig Konstantinovich, tonight. And with me, Tony Payne, John Sestina. Uh, again, we've been talking about financial literacy here. April, the month of financial literacy. So we spent last segment kind of talking about what it is, how you become financially literate, why it's important. Um, but, John, I, I know there's a lot of times where we have to sit back and we have to ask, ask ourselves the why. So why, in your opinion, do you think we need to celebrate this financial literacy month? Well, it's a way to bring attention to the subject. And, uh, you know, that's why you have to have a, a Mother's Day and a Father's Day and a birthday, et cetera, et cetera. And so if we have the attention, we name something. By the way, I don't think they've named it yet, uh, the Financial Le Legacy Month. But that's what we're trying to get the government to do so that people will begin to pay attention. And, and instead of graduating school and putting the books under the floor, pay attention to this stuff. Absolutely. Because like you said, life is all about continuing your education, making sure you're aware of what's going on, and finances are no different. Big part of your life. Absolutely. Helps you get to all of your other fun means, your financial freedoms. Tony, what else can it help you do? Well, you just said a key word there, one of my favorite words. That's freedom. Mm -hmm. And another word related to that <laughs> is control. Yep. I like freedom, but I also like control. It's kind of <laughs> opposites, aren't they? But I do like freedom and control. And when you're thinking about financial literacy and you're financially literate and you're aware of your financial standing, you get a lot more freedom and you get a lot more control. Mm. And these are great things to have and for your mobility in life and for your family. And we all know that times get bad and times get rough. So the easier you might make it on yourself – by being financially literate, the better. So that's part of why we're promoting this. Well, that's why people watch TV, Tony. They watch all the commercials, and 
They know that they should you know, buy gold and silver and, you know, gigabucks and whatever else is out there. That's how they become, <laughs> right? No, you. but see, you're, you're talking about what we're bombarded with. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're paying money to get in our pockets. That's not right. Not necessarily to make us money, but it it is presented that, hey, this is a great thing. You shouldn't miss out on this. Or, you know, everyone's doing it. All these familiar sounding things. Right. But they're paying for those ads. Well, and if you're not knowledgeable, you're going to be suckered into something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just taking the Super Bowl alone, I know we talked about it before, but you look at all the financial commercials that were there, all it was was crypto, it was annuities, it was, and those are all things that could be part of your plan that are pieces of it, but you need to understand what the risks are if you do choose to go that route or if you do implement those products. And you have to learn how to figure out what the hidden gotchas are. Yeah. For example, I had a, a conversation with a person a couple of weeks ago and this person was trying to get uh, – an insurance person was trying to get them to buy an annuity. Mm-hmm. And I know you love annuities, Craig. Oh, so, yeah. They're the best. So they're the best thing in the world. <laughs> and so one of the things we kept arguing was there was no cost. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And so finally I got it to the end, and there, of course, was cost. And it wasn't a commission, but it was a fee that the company paid at the end of the year out of their profits. Yep. So guess what? That's a commission. Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you can't just take the commercials at surface value. You have to know what you're looking at. And number one, do you need it? Right. Right. They're they're pitching, for example, in that illustration, you know, guaranteed money. You get your mm-hmm. Tony wanted guarantees and control. Well, you know, the annuity promises to Tony you'll never lose your dollars and it'll provide you income for your whole life, right? It does make that promise. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And there's a big but coming. And that but is that promise is based upon the solvency of that company. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's like John promises me something. If John's not here, who's carrying out the promise? Same idea with an annuity. Same idea with those. So those guarantees, always take that with a bit of a grain of salt and look at the underlying fundamentals, the corporate fundamentals of who's issuing that. Right. And that was part of the reason why one of those companies got bailed out when the big recession happened, when we think maybe they, they should have gone under, but government had to bail them out. Otherwise, those contracts would not have been good. Are you saying that insurance companies can go bust? They sure can, John. You bet they can. And we've, well, I've lived through a few of those. And uh, so what happens is usually another insurance company buys them out, but nonetheless, they may not be as solid as you think they are. Yeah. Right. And that- and that's where, too, you know, there are credit or there's agencies that go out there, rate companies, insurance companies in particular, based off of their financial solvency. But you could get a full report from five different agencies that tell you, hey, this is good or bad. But if if you're not aware of what the ratings are, how exactly those work, I mean, of course, you're going to be sitting there saying to yourself, well, I guess this sounds good. But until you start diving into the details, really understanding it, you know, hey, what are your contracts that you have outstanding? What are the assets or the premium dollars that you're bringing in? How do those two counterbalance things? If you're not educating yourself at that point to make smart decisions, you may be stifling your growth and not reaching your financial freedom or financial goals. 
maybe one of the last reasons why we wanted to focus on this, and I know, John, it's near and dear to your heart, it, it makes us be better citizens. It helps us be more responsible overall if we're thinking about our communities, our country, the future here. The more financially literate we are, the better we are for ourselves, the more productive we can be, hopefully the better and more aware we are as voters even, mm-hmm. certain issues that are out there and how they're going to affect not just us but the community around us. And that's really important. If you're not financially literate, some things may just sound good, and of course they're going to sound good. But when we get into the details, that's where this literacy stuff can really help in a lot of different areas. You bet it has to be a stable peg that you're putting your your hope in. If you take your boat up to the dock and you get a rotten peg, you're going to drift away. So you can't let that happen here. I mean, pay attention to example. You notice they never quote the uh, gold or silver prices on the televisions. Oh, yeah. They never tell you. What, but in the stock market, you have daily daily numbers or the same way with uh, funny money. Oh, yeah. What's that stuff called? Crypto. <laughs> Crypto. <coin>. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And that's where even, too, I mean, you know, because of all the regulations and everything else, you look at the stock market and you've got historical data running as far back as, indexes have been opened or as long as companies have been opened but gold and silver and some of those other commodities they can pick and choose which time frames they want to advertise which areas they want to focus on and they can choose when it makes them look best and that's all within their regulations so the trick is be knowledgeable but that also means look under the look under the hood yeah make sure you know how to look under the hood cuz a lot of people buy on the surface presentations Speaking of that and looking under the hood, I can't help but say it because this is something I found so interesting. And if I didn't know the fact was out there, I never would have believed it. There are land records in England going back almost 700 years. You can start to trace the value of that land, what it did against inflation, what it is worth today. Would you believe that almost over 700 years, there's certain plots that went up about one percent yes i would oh yeah it's amazing to think about though mm-hmm. you'd go back that long and you would think oh my this must have quadrupled etc but when you really do the math there it is about one percent a year yeah and watch out for the myths that's what you're talking about tony i mean people say well real estate it only goes up they're not making it anymore craig so. <laughs> yeah and that was on an island i know so there you have it so you have to know how to look under the hood absolutely so Again, I know there's a a lot of different resources, especially in this day and age. Information is at our fingertips more readily than ever before. So it's really come down to figuring out how to filter that information. So again, trust but verify, probably the best line that I've heard or the best thing that I've continued to hold near and dear. Trust, okay, I trust what you're telling me, but let me see the details. Let me ask the questions. Uh, So with that, we're coming up on another break here. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. I'm your host for tonight, Craig Konstantinovich, in studio with Tony Payne and John Sestina. We understand that there are some times where financially literate people may have some other questions they want to bounce off of an advisor or a professional in the space. If that's you or if there are questions that come to your mind, By all means, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, Our office phone number is 614-326-3077, or you can visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. You can organize a complimentary consultation meeting, allow you to sit down with one of our certified financial planners, 
to talk about any questions you may have, give just another pulse check on your financial plan, and figure out if you're preparing yourself for true financial freedom. Um, so guys, we talked, you know, we've given the rundown on what financial literacy is, the five key pillars of what that is. So savings, spending, um, understanding what exactly our expenses are, and making sure that everything works out from there. So now that we've kind of talked about what financial literacy is, let's try to talk through some examples or give some ideas of what financial literacy truly looks like. So Tony, for those that are financially literate, what's something that has really caught up a lot of momentum or a lot of popularity here with everything going on in the car market? Understanding how your lease works. I mean, if you're someone who's leased a vehicle and maybe it's been a while since you've read it, maybe you're just used to turning in the keys, and there are fine print details in there that could really help you out perhaps. So that's something I've really been focused on here lately, Craig. What do you mean by that, Tony? I understand I've got my payment. I understand that I agree to a lease, usually like a three-year or a 36,000-mile lease, but what else do I need to know from there? When you really get into the details, remember there was an agreed-upon value. There was something that basically in most leases, not everyone, and it depends on the state, but by and large, you were given the option that if you ever wanted to buy that car out, there was a stated value that you could pay to buy that car out at the end of the lease. So it was called the residual value. So that's a line item you want to look for in the lease because that, Craig, is where the trick is. Or okay. At least one in this. Okay. So I'm looking for the residual residual value. Let's say hypothetically I find it, and it says that I could buy my 2019, you know, truck out at a at a residual value of thirty thousand dollars. I found the info. Great. That was the first piece. That's having the first the data. piece. I mean, you've got to have the lease. You've got to be able to go through and get your information. And when you're organized, that's a heck of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So now that you know that your truck, you could buy it out for 30000 now I'm going to let my fingers do the walking a little, start to see what is that truck worth on the fair market? Now, if I was going to either buy that or sell it to someone, what's that truck worth? So especially with what has gone on in the used car market and the shortage of all the chips and the shortage of supply, I mean, cars have actually gone up a little bit in value here lately. So you want to look to see, is that truck worth more than what that lease buyout is? Because you might have turned in the keys when you could have just bought it out and perhaps had something more valuable and it may have been more beneficial to buy it out. You know, that truck, let's just say it was worth 50000 today. Mm -hmm. You have the right to buy it at 30000 There's 20000 right there that you could choose to turn around and sell it yourself. You could choose to just keep it instead of having to get a new vehicle. There's a lot of options that when you understand this, you get more flexibility. So you mean I could buy low and I could sell high on a used vehicle? I'm in. It's a very – I don't – honestly, I'm trying to – John, have you ever seen where this has happened before? Uh, yeah, it happened to me. Okay. It just happened to me. Bobby and I did that with our car. The uh, company sent us a letter saying, we'll let you uh, end your lease now, and we'll give you another car, and your lease payment will be half of what the old lease payment was. Plus, we'll give you some cash, and uh, you get a new car. Uh, that kind of sounded good, Craig. <laughs> kind of sounded I good, I would imagine right? so. So uh, I went down there and sat and talked to the person, and by golly, that seemed to be true. That's wonderful. So Bobby has a new car. <laughs> <laughs> when 
in these scenarios too, just remember these dealerships are basically who you're dealing with. They are not always obligated to be a fiduciary. Mm-hmm. In most cases, they're not. So as much as they might think, well, I'm doing you a favor. Let me get you in that new model. Let me get you in a new payment. And they think, again, perhaps all well-meaning because you're used to getting that newer vehicle. No one really has to bring up to you to say, hey, if you bought it out and sold it outright, you might make a little bit more or a lot more. So that's something that if you're not aware of this, it could really trap you. Absolutely. You bet. We were lucky because our lease was not yet to expire. We had another year to go. Excellent. So. Yeah. It all felt pretty good. I don't it happened to us last time as well. Okay. I doubt we'll see this in about oh two years. <laughs> it oh. certainly seems like this may be a, a short lived yes. opportunity, but seems to have a boomerang effect. There are some times where it'll happen, other times where it won't, so it's always something to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Um but the other piece too is don't always just assume that it's gonna be at that clean and fair of a swap, so to speak. There could be tax implications. There could be other considerations to factor in. So certainly, as Tony, as you had mentioned, as you're looking through your lease agreement, just make sure that you're aware of what some of those potential gotchas could be. So that way you're not thinking, hey, if I had my $30,000 truck that I could pay for it, sell it for 50, I should be free and clear. There may be some that comes in and erodes that profit amount of 20000 And what, what are you talking about, Craig? You mean the government would want to tax... The profit you made? Only thing certain in life are death and taxes, right, John? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. They want to have their fair share. Yep. What are you going to say there, Tom? Just on the other side of it, too. I mean, as you go through and break this stuff down, you just have to have the information. That's all. I mean, again, hopefully keeping your financial life in order and you're organized because we know the data is a key part of this process. And if you have the data, then you can do this analysis pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So devil's always in the details. So just make sure you've got the details to actually look into and peruse through. Um, But okay, so that's one financially savvy move. But, you know, there's a lot of other resources, a lot of people that have experience over the years. And there's been some development with some financial uh, rules of thumb that are out there. Now, not all of them are necessarily applicable. You know, obviously, each plan is individualized and unique, but certainly for a, you know, first pass or a smell test, so to speak, there are some that tend to ring a little bit truer than some of the others that are out there. So, John, what's some of the rules of thumb that you've heard of or that you've used in in your lifetime? Rules of thumb? Rules of thumb. I've not used any rules of thumb. None? I've I've always gone in with the attitude that they're, <clears throat> they're not the truth. Okay. Whether it's good or bad. And so I start from scratch and figure out what the situation is. I like it. Doesn't do well for what I was hoping that we would be talking about <laughs> this segment, but. <laughs> well, you can talk about it. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then, Tony, maybe more of a softball for you mm-hmm. then. What rules of thumb have you heard in your lifetime or do you use on occasions? <clears throat> I, like John, would not – no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, you know, there's the rule of 72, the idea of, you know, you take what you're earning, you divide that by 72, that'll give you the time for your investment to double. You know, it's just a quick way to think about things sometimes that's useful. And there's a couple others out there that, like John said, they may actually lead to some misconceptions. So it's it's good to be aware of them and that we talk about them, you know, whether it's a 30% of your income for housing 
you know, that may be fine as a one size fits all approach, but if you have five kids in private school, that's not going to work anymore. Yep. So again, this is where we know we've really got to break down the numbers, but there's a few approaches that you've probably heard out there of, you know, what to save or the 4% rule, et cetera. And we, you know, we really want to hopefully dive in a little further. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like we talked about, it's not a one size fits all. Each plan is unique. So as we get back from our break here, we're going to be talking about those a little bit further and other mistakes to make sure that we can prevent. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Good evening and welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Craig Konstantinovich in studio with Tony and John of our office here. We've been talking about financial literacy here uh, this show, obviously in celebration of April being Financial Literacy Month. Talked about some of the financially savvy moves that some people are able to make these days, uh, especially when it comes to leased vehicles and what options may be available. Um, and now we want to take it the opposite direction. You know, it's you know we've seen that there is not always prudent financial decisions that are made. There are sometimes where we hit a road bump. We had some kind of mishap that comes along here. So, Tony, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen or what seems to be some of the common threads that we've seen? Are we going on bonehead level one or bonehead level (laughs) ten? I will allow you to pick. Okay. And again, I mean this with a clean heart and clean conscience, but I mean there are some mistakes that are just so obvious that we know better. And then there's some where, you know, you, you may not know you were making the mistake, I mean, there's some that we think about the excessive frivolous spending. You know, I think deep down in someone's gut, if you're financing a trip to Vegas on a credit card or you're going and buying lottery tickets or going to the track, that kind of nonsense, you know, excessive and frivolous spending and doing it on a terrible thing, I mean, that is just bonehead level 10, I might say. But the idea of what kind of insurance do I buy and when do I buy insurance? You could be very well-meaning, very well-educated, and you get presented a type of insurance that really doesn't fit the need or there might have been a better type for it. You know, And that's where this financial literacy, there's different varying levels of it. So we want to cover anything and everything in between. So those are the kinds of mistakes I think about, Craig. All right. John? I mean, you've got just a few years of experience. You probably haven't seen any mistakes made, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, let's see. The Probably the, the greatest mistake everyone makes is not appreciating their income and thus their expenses. Mm-hmm. And so they put themselves in a position where they're under pressure. For example, take, take people who use credit cards a lot. If you have any value or any amount on your credit cards, that tells me you couldn't afford to buy what you bought. Because yep. when you go to buy something, you ought to have the cash to pay for it. If not, you cannot afford it. If you have three credit cards and all three of them have a balance, and guess what? Something's really wrong. Mm-hmm. Because you only need one credit card if you're not overspending. Right. And the key is not to overspend. But most people do that. And they spend on, uh, uh, what's the word I want to say? They're kind of you know enticed. The mm-hmm. advertisement looks really good and that car sounds really good or whatever they want, that suit. And so they go and they buy something they really don't need at a time they don't need it. So in, including things like your uh, dishwasher and your refrigerator and other things like that, 
You can plan for those things. Bobby and I just uh, watched our dishwasher die. So we had a Sad ceremony. Day. We had a ceremony. Uh, <laughs> but then we realized now we have to go buy a new one. Mm-hmm. And so fortunately, you know, we set aside money to be able to do that. But most people don't do so. Right. They wait till the time comes and then they try to overcome the expense. And even if you're paying cash for it, if you have not saved up for it, it's costing you more than it should. So managing your money, that's why we call this managing to be wealthy. Yep. Managing your money will save you more money than you realize and help you afford things you never dreamed you could afford, positive things, and allow you to fund for your retirement. Right. Well, that'll get you started. <laughs> There you go. No, I, I know you guys got a couple laughs the last time I mentioned when I went car shopping the first time after I'd met John and had learned a few things here and I had my little amortization table book with me so I could negotiate the interest rate and find out what my payment over time was going to be, how much the car was going to be overall. I dusted off my book, John. All a couple right. weekends ago, we went up to the boat show. We're just looking around. Boat show? Yeah, oh, Cleveland yeah. boat show. Yeah, just looking, of course. But, you know, I'm sitting there doing my math, looking at some things there. And when you see 20-year financing and only 10% down, there were a lot of boats there with a sold tag on them. And I'm wondering, do these people know the amortization table, the math behind the scenes, you know, four and a half, five percent interest may not sound terrible, but do that math over 20 years, you might have paid triple for that boat what you thought. So again, I mean, John, just talking about the mistakes we might make, if you went to that same show and you had cash money and you said, here, let me have this boat from the money I've saved, you're paying half or one-third compared to the person who finances the same darn thing. That's right. And that's so important when we think about, well, where does the money come from for everything else? And that's this key to financial literacy, that if you're thinking that way, it becomes a lot easier to do things guilt-free and the right way. Yeah, because good financial planning frees up cash. Mm -hmm. And that's what's kind of interesting. The other thing is, Tony, did they have that uh, new novel with each of those boats? They sure did. They did. They had that new novel about uh, uh, a boat and what it's worth. What is it? Oh yes, oh, yes, good. of and course. So There's they a... would they would give you the novel and you. It's only one page, <laughs> so it's pretty easy to read. And it says, "What is a boat?" And it's a hole in the water. You throw money down. Well, exactly right. Exactly. Well, you just have to have a small enough hole you can keep throwing money into it. You know, that's the math part. How big of a hole can I afford to keep throwing money into? As a former boat owner, I will say it always and forever will stand for bust out another thousand. <laughs> See? How about a house, Craig? Oh, yeah. Well, that was the next one. That was, John, that was exactly what came to my mind here. Now, thankfully, we did not do this, but. It was one of those things that oh so many people do, and especially now with real estate being as hot of a topic as it is, people tend to overspend, and typically they overspend on probably the biggest purchase of their entire lives, their house. They do, and the, the problem is people in this country believe owning a house is kind of like a right, Yeah, and it is not. No. Go to Europe, you'll see the difference. But uh, when you when you buy a house, you, you have no idea what it's going to cost you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not against home ownership. You know, I think you should own it if you can afford it, just like anything else. But there are so many costs that you don't calculate when you buy it. Most people say, well, the mortgage, look at the mortgage rate. It's 3%. They're all excited. Mm -hmm. Right, Craig? They go buy that house. Yep. And then what do they forget? 
They forget about everything else that goes along with caring for that house, like what I'm going to be spending my weekend doing and doing yet again more painting. Oh, painting. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're an artist. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much an artist on those drywalls, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I mean, it's it's everything from, hey, spring has sprung. Got to go out mulch. Got to make sure that the lawnmower has gas. We all know what that's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Got to make sure that you're able to care for the yard, make the place look nice, buy the new furniture for sitting outside, for hosting people. Obviously, as we've talked about, us expecting, now we got to make sure we've got the bedroom all taken care of, that we've got all the baby materials that are coming in. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's, yeah, it seems like such a small, quote-unquote, small decision at first, but when you really start to peel back the layers of the onion, you realize that basically there is a, an unexpected expense around every corner, whether it's a surprise you know, repair that needs to be done or something else. So it's just, do you have the funds or do you have the means to take care of it? Well, didn't you have that paint before you bought the house? Oh, no. Oh, oh you didn't. You had to go buy that paint? Yep, had to go buy the, the paint. And the paintbrushes you probably had. Though. Well, those those we did have, but we got to so get new good, rollers good. for this go-around. Oh, new rollers? Yep. Okay, great. We got to rent scaffolding because uh, the ceiling's up so high, well, so we got to get happens, that. happens, you know, you could trip otherwise. Yep. <laughs> fall down and get paint on your nose. Well, we want to make sure that, you know, as I'm standing on the ground, that it's not necessarily a 25-foot pole, you know, painting the ceilings <laughs> or anything like that. Exactly. So, if we're living below our means, we can deal with these surprises, though. I think yep. that's the key takeaway. Live below your means, and you can avoid some of these mistakes and be prepared for them. Absolutely. Well, hopefully this helps you become financially literate here and is a great kickstart to your financial literacy month. We appreciate everyone that's listened here tonight. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.